we can get pretty far without recovery, but at some point, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when um, our bodies are gonna break down. Hello, and welcome back. As we are gearing up for another season coming soon, I wanted to jump in here and just bring you a couple of Encore episodes. So this one is all about rest and recovery, which is very fitting for right now as the theme for brunch running is trot and recover this month. As we're all giving our bodies some time to recover after a very intense fall of races, we are getting back in to taking some time for ourselves. And this is something we really, really, really need to do as runners is to take some time for ourselves. If you hear in the background, I've got a dog snoring, and that is something we all need to do more of, is take that time to recover, you know, kind of like our pets do almost throughout the entire day. So this episode is with Denver Sports Recovery. They're an amazing spot here in Denver to, that really, really helps you perform your best by recovering your best. So check out this episode, check them out if you live locally, and yeah, take a rest day. It's prescribed here. If my if my prescriptions count for anything, it's to take a rest day. That's all I can prescribe for you. All right, listen in, have so much fun, and check out Trot and Recover over at brunchrunning.com. Why should we pay attention to recovery at all? Gotcha. Um, so the first question is very hard and complicated. <laughs> Who am I? Um, I am, so I'm Steve, grew up on the East Coast, and I'm the general manager at Denver Sports Recovery. Um, we opened almost 10 years ago now, and we have basically tried, and I've been pretty successful at it, at least I think, at bringing the professional athlete experience um, to the general public. So DSR, Denver Sports Recovery, was started by two chiropractors who um, were, if not still currently, are the team chiropractors for the Nuggets, the Broncos, the Rockies, um, CU Boulder, um, and other colleges in the area. And what they found going into these tr athletic training rooms with these elite athletes and doing their adjustments is that their adjustments were holding longer, athletes were getting better, faster, um, and they were trying to figure out what what was so different, other than that they were elite athletes, what was so different happening there than in the general population where people are getting, you know, chiropractic adjustments multiple times a week for weeks and months on end with no really significant improvement. And the secret was that that wasn't the only thing these elite level athletes were doing. They were getting massages. They were getting um, rehab with athletic trainers and physical therapists. They were using saunas and hot tubs and cold tubs. But at the time before DSR started, no place existed that had everything and all those different disciplines under one roof. So um, opened in about 2012, 2013, um, DSR sought out to bring that pro athlete experience to, as we were just saying, you know, Colorado is a very unique place in that somebody's doing something all the time, whether it's skiing, hiking, biking, rock climbing. Um, if I always joke around, if you're not doing something in Colorado, it's, it's kind of a status thing. It's like, what, what did you do today? What did you, what mountain did you climb? What did you, what did you bike? Um, so people are asking a lot of their bodies. Um, and every time we ask, just like a car, right? If you drive your car, you got to put gas in it. If you drive your car a lot, you got to change the oil every once in a while. Our bodies are the same way. And that's why recovery is important. We can, we can get pretty far without recovery, but at some point, 
it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when um, our bodies are going to break down. And what we're trying to do and why recovery is important is we don't want that to happen. We'd rather be on the proactive side of healthcare than the reactive side. You know, if you need surgery, what could you have done to prevent that surgery? And not only that, how can you increase the performance, not just about injury, uh, like risk mitigation, but how can you increase the performance in all those activities we love as a as a general population to do, you know, weekdays, weekends and throughout life? I think that brings up so many good points. And for so many people, I mean, the basics of even like stretching. Yeah, right. <laughs> nitty gritty of it of like stretching is even that recovery but that's such an interesting point that you make that these pro athletes have this whole team behind them and are really focusing just as much time if not more time on recovery but then as a general public we don't do that it's like you fall and break your leg and you're like well when can i go back and you're doing like six weeks of pt and you're going in for like what an hour a day maybe two or three times a week and you're not putting all these different things together and then but you're expecting all your body just to bounce right back and that probably leads also more to like chronic injury long term um or being in pain long term because you're not really doing everything that you need to do. So a few things that you touched on and brought up, um, and one thing I kind of want to go back to, would you say that everyone needs a recovery program if you're doing any sorts of physical fitness activities that you need to have recovery as part of the conversation? Uh, no, I think everyone needs a recovery program, period. Um, even if you're not physically active, well, that's a whole nother conversation. Let's make you physically active. But, um, I mean, uh, Dr. Prada, who's our main chiropractor at DSR, her and I realized last year, um, you know, with COVID kind of coming and going is that we were treating more neck and shoulder pain from nurses and from people working at home who didn't have the right setup or we're just working more hours in front of a computer because they weren't traveling um, and maybe they're not active and one of our least favorite things to hear is is that oh denver sports recovery it has the word sports in it i'm not an athlete so i don't belong there well massage is recovery right and if we're hunched over a computer all day we got to open that chest up we got to strengthen the back because then upper back pain turns to neck pain turns to low back pain um and that like that type of person should be on a recovery uh, system or plan. But then from there, all the way to the professional athlete and everyone in between. Yes. Like I think depending on where you're at in your training, a one-to-one -one ratio is ideal. Now that's not always feasible for, for everyone, but if you're doing something active, you've got to be recovering again, just like that gas in the car analogy. If you're going to drive it, you got to fill it kind of thing. And recovery can be anything, right? It can be as simple as stretching in your, you know, in your bedroom in the morning or at night. Could be as simple as just doing some sort of movements. Like we live very much in a singular plane, right? We walk in this, what I kind of call a north-south plane. We sit and we stand and we lunge and we squat all in the same plane. How often are we doing some sort of lateral movement? Or how often are we twisting with like, you know, intention versus like twisting, we're going to twist to pick something up off the floor, right? We're going to twist a little bit getting in and out of our car. But 
exposing the body to different stresses is going to make us more adaptable as a human. And it's going to reduce the risk of um, developing pain, especially chronic pain. Recovery is the same thing. Like you don't have to go sit in a hot tub and a cold tub and a sauna and a cryo and get a weekly massage, even though those are all really, really good for you. And I'll talk about the benefits of all those, but just doing something where you're filling that gas tank back up rather than always just depleting it, hoping that, you know, cause I'm not an athlete, I don't need to refill my tank. I would argue that it's actually the opposite. If you've never gotten body work done, if you've never sat in a hot tub or a sauna, just try it. You're going to, you're going to thank yourself and your body's going to thank you even more. So, okay. There's so much there. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. But I think let's talk about massage and the different types of recovery because I think so many times people think massage. They're like, oh, it's just like mm-hmm. therapeutic and like, blah, someone's going to like. Just rub some oil on you. Yeah, right. Just rub me back. Yeah. And like, what are, I guess, the benefits of massage? And, or actually, before we get into benefits, what are the different types of recovery? You mentioned massage. We talked about stretching, like foam rolling. You know, I know you guys have cold tubs, hot tubs, saunas, compression. There's obviously a whole yeah. now industry focused on recovery. And if we can maybe let's talk through some of yeah. those different things. So let's start with massage. Why massage and what are kind of those benefits? I hear you. I'll even take it, take it even a step back for a second. Everything you just mentioned, all of the modalities, stretching, massage, exercise, everything has one goal pretty much. And we talk about the industry of recovery as a whole. The goal is blood flow. That's it. Like everything we do is just playing with blood flow. How do we heal? We heal because we have endorphins and hormones and nutrients and oxygen flowing through our body. But say I hurt like, say I hurt my knee. There's, my knee isn't going to heal itself. My body is going to heal its knee by delivering all these healing properties to my knee, right? Same thing with your neck, your shoulder, anywhere in your body. If blood isn't flowing to that area, there's no delivery system. It's like ordering something off Amazon. And if you don't get it, you're not going to enjoy whatever you ordered off Amazon. It's the same type of thing. So for massage, for example, right? The two biggest things that you get with massage I would say blood flow is secondary. The primary thing is you're opening up channels. Now, whether these channels are vascular, right? Are you manipulating? Then there's a million different massage techniques, right? But one technique is manipulating vessels and kind of moving them around because movement is medicine. And because as you tweak and manipulate vessels, you're gonna open them up. It's just like, just think about literally a massage. What it feels looser. When you come off a massage table, you feel warmer because those vessels have been opened up and they're not being blocked as more or as much. Um, But then just tissue health, right? Like we've all, and I apologize if you're vegan or vegetarian listening to this, but just like picture a piece of like raw meat, like raw chicken, raw steak, whatever it is. That's what we are essentially on the insides, right? And if you just let it, if you ever, this is gross, but it's the best analogy I could come up with. If you let a piece of chicken just like sit out on the counter for a few days, it's going to get like hard and gross and dried out. And that's what happens to our muscles if we're not using them. It's kind of the old adage of like, if you don't use it, you lose it. Now, if you're massaging, we'll get, get away from the chicken analogy for a second. But 
if you're massaging your muscles, you're going to move the water content around in there. You're going to move the blood content around in there. And you're going to have this exchange of fluids, this exchange of nutrients, and it's going to keep that tissue healthy. When those fibers are exposed to things throughout life, when the fibers of your muscles are exposed to things, they get tangled up. Like our body's smart, but it's not that smart. And it needs to be encouraged to have those fibers. We're basically just a bunch of fiber optic cables. I've been using the uh, the red vine analogy a lot. You know, like the red vines, how you can, they're better than Twizzlers in my opinion, but you can kind of pull them apart. That's a whole nother debate. Um, yeah, no, we'll talk about candy at the end of this. Um, I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world. But Matt, like when we sprain or strain something, whether it's a ligament, a muscle, a tendon, you're pulling those, you know, those little strips off the red vine. Now, if you tear something, the red vine gets cut in half, you know, then we're, we're talking about surgery, we're talking about other things. But when you just sprain or strain something, or even when we don't use something, those red vines start to fray after a while. A massage is not only going to get blood flow to there to kind of reconstruct it, but it's going to help those, those vines aren't going to lay flat again by themselves. They need encouragement to do that. So I think that's the biggest benefit to massage, but that can be kind of extrapolated to everything where the sauna, the hot tub, the cold tub, the cryo, everything is just about getting that vascular system in your body more efficient to be delivering more things throughout the entire body. I think that, you know, we don't think about blood flow probably enough. And, Mm -hmm. but it makes, it makes so much sense that in order for something to get better, you know, if you were to cut off blood flow to a limb, like you said, it's, it's basically going to die off and falls off (laughs) literally. (laughs) So our bodies really need to make sure that everything is moving. Cause I think, you know, we've all been there where you're like, and I know this is where something I'm working on because, like you said, so many of us in the past two years have been sitting in front of desks. We're hunched over computers mm-hmm. all the time. And just noticing mm-hmm. even – I even noticed recently walking the dogs. I'm like, why are my shoulders up here? Why am I so tense? Like, yep. and then how does that translate into everything else that we do? Because even as sit- sitting here, like, then you try to go for something as simple as a walk, and you're like, why does my back hurt so much? Mm-hmm. It's because you've been sitting. Those hip flexors need to be be moved around a bit. Yeah. And all right. So let's continue to talk about a few of these other things. Um, compression, because obviously compression is probably the closest thing to massage, too. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many different compression brands now. And mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a fan. I like put on my Normatech boots and watch TV at night or read. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like Part of my wind down routine. It's the greatest thing in the world. No, I love that you do that. If everyone had a pair of compression boots, the world would be a happier place. I promise. They're worth the investment. I will 110% say it is a pricey tool, Mm -hmm. but. If if anyone listening wants compression boots, hit me up. I'll make the price drop. (laughs) We'll figure it out. We'll send all your requests to Denver Sports Recovery for compression boots. But those are, I think, and a lot of the athletes that I work with, that's a huge part too. I have a few athletes that started using the boots and they saw so many gains in their turnover. And just the recovery. And it's usually, yeah. yeah. Um, Kind of like how does that, what's the science behind the compression boots, obviously it's 
getting blood flow mm -hmm. to their legs, their hips, or their arms. So it's actually doing the opposite. So we're playing, everything we do, we're always playing with blood flow. So I won't spend too much time, but a little tangent. Um, it's actually really interesting. Compression therapy, as we know it, didn't start with athletics and recovery. It started with patients with congestive heart failure, mostly geriatric patients. But think of your heart. And we, you know, Take away the emotions of your heart for a second. What is your heart actually doing physiologically? It's a pump, right? And your heart's job is to pump blood and water and fluid and everything through your entire body all day long, whether you're sleeping or whatever, or, you know, sleeping, working out, standing, sitting. Well, we all know, you know, at least myself, when I am on a long plane ride, my feet will tend to swell, right? There's pressure changes when you're, when you're on a plane. People with congestive heart failure, what's failing? The heart, the pump. So people with these types of diseases, their feet are always swollen because your feet are the furthest thing from your pump. We tend, you know, as humans, whether we're sitting or standing, we tend to be upright most of the day. So our feet are usually the closest thing to the ground and gravity is undefeated. Gravity is always going. So our heart is actually pumping against gravity all day long. If our heart's not doing well, gravity wins. That's how, that's how compression actually started was for people with chronic diseases to, to literally the, the compression of like a Normatec type boot was to push that blood out of their legs to go back to the heart. Fast forward to athletic recovery, the best analogy I have is kind of like the hot tub. So I'm at DSR most of the time. So I just point, I go all the water in that hot tub over there in the corner has to go through the filtration system. If it doesn't, it'll get cloudy and green and gross and smell. And that's how we keep the hot tub running all day long. Well, your heart is what pumps uh, all of the fluid in our bodies through our natural filtration system. And I know people aren't seeing me right now, but I'm just like looking at my torso, right? That's where my heart, my kidney, my liver, my lungs, all these natural filters of all the fluid in our body lives. So if we're upright all day and gravity's pushing blood into our legs, that compression unit, whatever name brand it is, actually forces that, but just helping us, right? It's helping our heart. It forces that fluid back into our abdomen and thorax and chest area, forces it through the kidney, heart, liver, lungs. And then as it re-enters, you get as it re-enters your legs and you know there's arm compressions and there's hip compressions and as it re-enters the extremity of whatever all that fluid was pumped out of it's replenished with oxygen it's replenished with nutrients it's clean and it's delivering good stuff to all the extremities rather than just letting all the bad stuff like you know i don't like these words but words that are thrown around a lot are like toxins and lactic acid and um you know we can get into debates about what's actually sitting in your extremities but that's essentially what it's doing. It's, it's forcing the fluid out to be filtered. And then when you get out, naturally re-enters, you're gonna just have healthier tissue in those areas. Your red vines are gonna look brand new. They're not gonna look like they got dragged around the street for a while. Um, and you're gonna get, because your, your oxygen is getting taken up, like as it passes through your lungs, you're gonna get oxygen everywhere in your body. So you're going to you're going to feel systemically more energized. You're going to recover better. You're going to sleep better. There's been compression therapy is probably one of the most researched um, types of recovery that has become mainstream that has the highest level of peer reviewed research backing it. And it's amazing. I think every like you said, if everyone could get a pair of compression boots, I'd be a happy person.
So do you think this is totally off like a small tangent? Go for it. Since we've seen such an increase in say like the I feel like the past 10 years with recovery in general from the pros down to everyone else that there's this focus in general that people are able to sustain doing the things and the activities that we love longer. Obviously, uh, there are like, things like hip replacements and knee replacements really can help with that as we continue mm-hmm. to age, but that we're able by really focusing on recovery just as much as playing hard and all these things, we're able to keep our bodies moving the way we want them to longer and better. A hundred percent. I mean, just look at like, let's get away from sports for a second. Just look at life expectancy, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's serious, and I'm, I'm not bringing politics into this, but there's serious conversations happening at like federal levels about certain things. Now, it doesn't matter what your views are on retirement and social security. That doesn't matter. What we can all agree upon is people are living longer. And we're, we have to figure out as a society, like the systems that were set up in the 19, you know, early 1900s, the first half of the 20th century, were all based on people not living past 60 or 70. Now it's normal to be in your 80s and 90s. So I think the short answer is yes. Like not only is recovery producing that life longevity, but just movement as a whole. Like in the 1920s, you know, the roaring 20s, people would go maybe swing dancing and that was the activity they got for the week. And then fast forward 50 years and you have Jane Fonda and who's the other, what's the other guy? Richard Simmons. Like they made working out mainstream. And now people are spending thousands of dollars on workout equipment, whether it's cardio, weights, bikes, you know, skiing and snowboarding, like people are craving movement. And every time we move, we're using up that, the, the fuel in that gas tank. And I think they go, you know, they go hand in hand together. Activity and recovery have to go together because if you do too much of one, specifically do too much activity, not enough recovery, you're not going to fall into that pool of living a longer life. You have to be able to fill that tank back up and and keep your tissue healthy because as smart, again, as smart as your body is, it needs, it needs a little direction. And that's what all these, these modalities and and things are, are put, put in place in an effort to do is just give the body direction on not only how to heal, but how to keep rejuvenating, keep replenishing. um, And, you know, if I may keep recovering, (laughs) Well, it's one of those things like, and I think everyone wants an easy fix to everything. Everyone wants like the the magic supplement that they can take where with myself included. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, I know I'm going to be feeling this morning's skin like later Mm -hmm. on, but and all weekend. But I think the big thing is. Now I lost my train of thought because I think about lactic no. acid. <laughs> um, but um, we want that quick fix to it, but it's just like everything else. There is nothing that happens overnight. And that once you start incorporating recovery into your daily life, over time you see those benefits step by step slowly increasing. All of a sudden you're feeling better. And sometimes I feel like when you first add in recovery and you start to feel better, and then you really like have been working on it for like six weeks or so, all of a sudden you realize how amazing you feel and you're like, oh my God, I never thought, realized how bad I mm-hmm. felt and what pain I was in. Yeah, that magical moment we see on people's faces when they first come in and 
we'll use an infrared sauna for the first time and just sweat everything out. It's like I had I had a patient last week. She literally came up to me. It was the first time, man. She had never used a sauna. She's about middle aged, probably around forty, we'll say. And she was like, I feel lighter. Like I don't like my shoulders feel more relaxed. I feel like I can go run. She's like, and I haven't run in years. She's like, I feel like I can go run right now for the first time because my body doesn't feel. And she laughs because she was embarrassed to say this. I was like, we hear this term all the time. She's like, I feel less sticky. Like, and that's, and that's really what it is. Like things tend, we're a living organism, right? Things tend to stick together if we don't move them. Think about if you were ever immobilized in a sling or a brace or, you know, or you had, or even just sitting, right? Sitting for eight hours is a form of immobility. And then you get up and your quads and hip flexors, you like kind of have to take a second. Because, oh, well, yeah. um, there's a term called viscoelasticity in the body. And basically what that means is our whole body's rate dependent. Meaning if you stretch something really fast, it tends to snap back really fast. If you stretch something really slow, it won't have that recoil effect. So imagine like your hip flexors are super tight after sitting in a chair for eight hours. And you go to stand up, that tightness, you're like, oh, I got to take an extra second just to kind of stretch out the back, stretch everything out you're fighting that recoil effect from happening essentially. And that's, that's the stickiness that people feel. And it's like, the more you move and the more you sweat, the more you recover through something like compression or the sauna or a hot tub or even a cold tub, right? People are like, Oh, I tense up in the cold tub, but you got to go back to that idea of fluid flow or blood flow. We're playing with fluid and blood flow. That's why you don't feel as sticky. You might be a little tense because you're shivering from a cold tub, right? Um, but you don't have that same like stickiness feeling. Um, and I think that's what we're all trying to fight is like that feeling we get after being immobilized, whether it's for hours or days, weeks, and even months. Yeah. And I think that's like, you hit the nail on the head that it's like a sticky feeling. Like you're like, I know this should move this way, but it's like, you got to give it a few tries to like yeah, shake it, itself out. Shake it out. I was just going to say that. Shake it out and, and unstick it. Um, so one thing you brought up a little like while we want to go back to for a second, lactic acid. I think for years we've heard, oh, you just need to, <laughs> to shake it out and because you have lactic acid built up in your legs after a long run or a ride or like day skiing and like – a, what is lactic acid? Is that actually true or like? Okay. Um, so don't quote me on this because I forget, you're, ma you're making me think back to physiology hard. So if you get a bunch of comments or, or things on it and there's like people saying I was wrong, I apologize, but I'm going to be pretty close to the truth. So there's going to be some scientists out there that are going to probably correct me on this. Um, first of all, if you run a race on a Saturday, you do not have any lactic acid in your body on Sunday. It's just, that's not how it works. People are like, oh, I got to do a recovery run two days later to get the lactic acid out after my marathon. If lactic acid was in your body that long, you would die. Um, this is, so that's a fact. And I know that's true. The, the, the numbers that I don't really remember is how quickly lactic acid tends to rid itself from the body. It's somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds, or maybe 10 and 90 seconds. And I know a lot of people, if they're listening to this, are like, wait, that, what do you mean? 
Lactic acid is literally acid buildup. If you remember, you know, the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, right? The Krebs cycle, hydrogen ions, all the things that are happening at the cellular level in our body um, to burn energy, they produce byproducts, right? They produce waste products. One of the products that's produced when we're burning sugar as for energy, when we're working out hard, is we dissociate a bunch of molecules and we get hydrogen atoms. Hydrogen atoms are based basically acid, right? Hydrogen atoms are very acidic. When those build up, that's when we get that burning feeling. Like if you've ever done a wall sit for two minutes, you're not giving your quads a rest or your glutes or your legs in general a rest to get more sugar, to get more water, to restart that energy burning process, right? So you're getting a bunch of output and no more input. And that output is getting all of that acid buildup. That's where we feel the burn. Now, stand up from your wall sit, your legs might still be burning, but it usually, even if you did a 10 minute wall sit, it's going away in a few seconds, right? And now we're talking about aerobic versus anaerobic capacity and things like that. And again, it's been a while since I've taken a physiology class, so don't quote me on numbers, but that is lactic acid. You can extrapolate it all the way to, if you don't let your body get rid of that lactic acid, you produce something called rhabdomyolysis, which puts you in the hospital. That doesn't take long, right? So short, long, long, long answer short, lactic acid is just a byproduct of activity. It's not a bad thing, right? It just means that you were working hard. Your body naturally gets rid of it in less than two minutes. If it doesn't, you're going to know. You're going to feel really sick. You're going to feel nauseous. You're going to pass out. You're going to have a ton of problems. Recovery, right? Saunas, hot tubs, cold tubs, compression are not doing anything with lactic acid. It's doing everything with blood flow. It's doing everything with flushing out um, just like things that are sitting in extremities and other parts of your body. Um, and it's getting vessels to just deliver and be more efficient. Lactic, I feel like we use the word lactic acid a lot less now than we did 10 years ago. And I'm very happy about that because people are realizing, no, this has nothing to do with lactic acid. I feel like that is so true. There was like the whole point where it was like lactic acid. Lactic. It's like this is, oh, I'm dragging in this run because I have so much lactic acid built up. And yeah, it just became one of those things that everyone just said. So one thing I definitely want to touch on for before we kind of start to wrap up is overuse. It's overuse injuries. It's over Like you said no, at the beginning, we tend to work in an, like – in a north and south plane, we're not always moving as laterally in all these different directions anymore in our lives. And that then contributes a lot to overuse. And one of those things with overuse, I think a lot of it does come to sleep. And what is one of the big differences between rest and recovery? Because I think a lot of people, when you say rest, they're like, oh, my rest days, I do nothing. And then like on my recovery days, I'm doing yoga, going for a walk mm -hmm. and doing those things. So is there a difference between rest and recovery? Yeah. Um, I've, you're not, you're not the first person to ask me this and I'm still trying to formulate an answer that I like. Um, I have an answer. I'm not sure if I like it yet, but there's two, I guess there's two things that, that you kind of mentioned. One was like that lateral movement. 
I'm a huge believer in that we were meant, we were born and we were put on this earth to be adaptable athletes or uh, uh, adaptable humans, not athletes, just adaptable individuals. Like, you know, you have, you know, you wake up, right? You have a routine, but how many times throughout the day is something going to interrupt that routine? How many times are you going to get up and have to walk a new path, right? Whether it's from your bedroom to your bathroom, right? You might walk that same one every day, but Today, you got to take out the trash. So you're going to have to go up and down some stairs. You're going to have to move a little laterally. You're going to have to twist. If we do the same movements over and over, we adapt to those movements. What happens when you know some emergency happens out in the world where your dog comes off the leash and now you got to sprint after it? Or you drop something heavy and you got to try to catch it before your plasma TV shatters on the ground, right? If we're doing the same movements and never exposing our bodies to new types of good stresses, then we're going to become adapted. And that's not a good way to be. And, and even more so in athletes, right? Say you're playing defense on an NFL team. You have no idea what the offense is running. You have to be adaptable. We're not all NFL cornerbacks, right? But we're living, we're all living on this world together where we never know what's coming, right? Driving a car, somebody cuts you off. You have to be adaptable, right? Your physical reaction and your mental reaction are one and the same. The more you can move your body, the faster your eyes are going to react to somebody cutting you off. And then you're not going to produce as much traffic on I-25 for me to get into work. So I appreciate everyone being adaptable. <laughs> um, the kind of second part, does that make sense, I guess? Yeah. Well, and I think the big thing is what so many people saw last year as or in the past two years when we were all ordering everything on Amazon constantly and having to pick up more and more packages and heavier and heavier things that we were having delivered, that lifting, that was something we, most people were not lifting things like that. And mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and how do you lift stuff or, and I think the biggest thing is, especially that I've heard like from friends, you know, after they've had kids, like when their kids are toddlers and all that stuff, all of a sudden now they're like, I'm carrying physically another human in my hands or on my hip or picking them up constantly. And when you're going into it, your body's not ready for, like not used to it. And then it just becomes up and down constantly and then your back starts hurting and your arms are hurting and then like one side gets stronger than the other because you always are holding something the child on one side so I think that Mm -hmm. I mean so much of that makes so much sense because we do get in our routines and I think for all of us in general and I know this is huge in the running community and so like you were just saying, holding your baby in one arm versus the other, like you're going to be adapted to that. And you're going to, then that's when we start producing back pain because now we're lopsided, right? We're, we're always twisting the same way. We're in the winter right now. And I tell people all the time, like shovel with both arms, right? Broom, sweep your kitchen with both arms. Um, you, you know, use both things whenever you're doing, you know, get up from a chair with your right leg forward one time, your left leg forward. Just try to do things symmetrically in your body all the time. Um, But we did go off on a bit of a tangent. I think your second question was more about like, what is the difference between rest and recovery? I don't think there is one. And I might change this the next time somebody asks me this, but for now, today's flavor of the day is there really is none. I think um, recovery is what you're doing to fill yourself back up and 
one of the things you could be doing as part of your recovery is resting. Um, I love active rest. And the last person I had this conversation with, we kind of came up with two or three main things that that is a form of rest, you know, quote unquote, but also a form of recovery, like just going for a walk, you know, say you're lifting heavy, heavy, heavy weights, or you're running lots of miles multiple days a week, one day a week, whether it's your recovery day or not, like go for a walk, drink a ton of water, do the things. I think rest is just a form of recovery, but I think recovery can be anything where you're replenishing, right? You're replenishing that gas tank. You're getting healthy nutrients delivered to every single muscle in your body, whether it's through sitting in a sauna, which, which helps a ton with recovery, um, whether it's through compression therapy. I think they're one and the same, and we need to be doing any form of, you know, rest, rest slash recovery, not rest and recovery, um, you know, as much as we can. I agree with that so much. And I think that's something, you know, personally that I incorporate into my program, my training programming or schedule is, I mean, the sauna is great. I love a good hot yoga class because I feel like it's one of those things where you leave dripping in sweat and I got to stretch at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Stretch out the red vines. Yeah, stretch out those red vines. And I'm and I'm like, I always feel like when I do that, when I show up then to do something hard again, I'm my body feels good and is ready for it. But I think one thing you said, walking. Walking, I think, is so overrated and we're so used to all driving from point A to point B and mm -hmm. oh, I'll just drive there instead of walk to the store that's around the corner. Yeah. So I think walking you know, I think we all need to walk more. And even if you don't have a dog. Seriously. I think you meant under, yeah. you meant yeah. underrated, but yeah, I got you. Walking is, walking is the most underrated form. It's nice. It's really nice to have a hot tub and a cold tub. It's really nice to have a sauna. It's really nice to have boots, but let's be, let's be serious. Not everyone has access to those things. Like at DSR, we try to make it as accessible and as affordable as possible. But the reality is drink some water, walk a, walk a block every day at least, right, if not more, and, you know, just move. Just move and your body will thank you. I promise. Yeah, just listen to a podcast like this one. and <laughs> Right? It's perfect. Perfect. If everyone could walk 30 minutes a day, the world would be a happier place for sure. I think that that is 100% true. Okay. So as we start to wrap up, I have a few final questions for you. A, mm -hmm. we've talked about cold tubs. We've talked about saunas. And obviously there's contrast therapy there. I feel like cold tubs have gotten a lot, like gained so much popularity. There's even ones now like barrels and tubs that you can put in your backyard and fill with ice and yep. do it at home. What are the main benefits of a cold tub or even, you know, a cold shower? Mm -hmm. So two very different, I think two very, very different things, a cold tub versus cold shower. Um, one of the biggest benefits you're going to get from a cold tub is just being underwater, right? And I, again, not to get too sciencey, but we're talking about buoyancy and orthostatic pressure and things like that. When you're underwater, there's more than, you know, gravity's still undefeated, but water is really undefeated. 
water is going to put more pressure on your body. Water, think of water being submerged in it almost as like full body compression. So like you mentioned that you have a set of Normatec legs. Well, you couldn't put your entire body in the compression, you know, in those legs at the same time, you would explode. But lower the pressure, you can you then can. And that's why like, you know, if you're familiar with scuba diving, like the, the further you get down and down under, right? Uh, not talking about Australia, like the further you get down in the water, the more pressure you're going to have because there's more water on top of you just pushing. And water weighs. Water has weight to it. So one of the main benefits of being submerged in any type of water is going to be fluid flow. And so it keeps coming back to fluid and blood flow, right? Now, put, put cold in there. Now you're in cold water. Your body thinks, starts to think the longer you're in it, the more your body starts to think we're freezing to death. We talked about, you know, you, you cut off oxygen and blood flow to an extremity completely, it falls off. Well, your body's smart. It's not super smart, but it is smart enough to know that we have to save our internal organs, right? Everything that is vital for life is between our neck and our belt line. We have to save that. So what happens when we're submerged in cold water is all of the blood in our body rushes to what I was calling that natural filtration system earlier, your heart, your kidney, your liver, your lungs. Well, as it rushes to those structures, it doesn't just hang out, it gets filtered, it gets replenished, it gets reoxygenated. And then as we exit the cold tub, the that blood that just became clean and replenished then goes back, just like the compression boots, it goes back into our extremities and we have these full body systemic effects of increased energy, but then of also healing and recovery and replenishment. So I think that cold therapy and then the i guess the third thing is uh hormones and endorphins and that the research is still coming out on you know the more you do a cold tub the more tolerable you're going to be to it for sure the the research is still a little bit unclear at least from what i know right i haven't read everything of how those hormones we know it's good but we don't know exactly what's happening with the hormone releases and things like that but the two main things that are happening is you're forcing blood flow through orthostatic pressure and you're forcing blood flow through cooling your skin and that's really where the cry like cryo is becoming because people hate the cold tub that's where cryo really comes in we have a cryo sauna or cryotherapy pod at dsr and you get all the benefits of the cold without having to go in the water because all that blood leaves your skin it gets pushed away because again it doesn't care about your skin it goes to your visceral internal organs and that's where it needs to be to essentially save your life and then as we rewarm, we go back out. So that's, I would say that's more of like you asked between cold tub and cold shower. You're getting the blood flow benefits in a cold shower. You're getting really, really good blood flow benefits in a cryo because you're at negative 250 degrees. That's why it only has to be three minutes because it is so cold. It's a fast treatment. Um, and then the tubs are just adding that extra kind of pressure to even promote more blood flow to the center of your body and then allowing it to re-enter your extremities as you as you warm up again. Okay, I have one cryo question. Is there anyone that should not do cryotherapy? Um, I'm pretty sure, like most modalities for recovery, um, actually, so most modalities are cancer and pregnancy. Can't do anything. It sucks. <laughs> um, how do we recover? No clue. Um, I'm pretty sure the only people that can't cry out is if you're currently pregnant, which is a bummer because that's when you need the most recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, the verdict is out a little bit trying to figure out how cold can you 
safely get without, you know, disrupting any, you know, any part of the, the pregnancy process and things like that. I think there's a lot of research around all types of things, lasers, massages, chiropractic adjustments around what is safe and what isn't safe. Mm -hmm. I think the, the miracle of life is highly studied, but still not understood. Oh. Um, as far as I know, though, everyone else can do the cryo. Yeah, that's, that, that's coming up. I've, I have so many questions about that. And I've been doing a lot of research and extra educational reading on that because it, I think, like you said, there's a lot of studies, but there's still not a lot of studies. Mm -hmm. Cryo itself, outside of like pregnancy, cryo itself has a ton of really, really good research. I've seen, I've seen miracles, a strong word, but it's pretty close. Like I've seen people die with diagnosed rheumatoid arthritis, get off of their, their medicine, like their prescription meds, because they do a cryo session five days a week. Um, autoimmune disease, Crohn's, Sjogren's, um, Graves disease, like all these autoimmune diseases that just promote a ton of inflammation. Inflammation is just markers in your blood. It's just enzymes that float around in your blood. People always say like cold decreases inflammation. Well, yes, but it doesn't just like magically decrease inflammation, right? Because you're cold, you're, you're all of a sudden, you're, all of your inflammation's gone. It's not really how it works. Cold pushes blood to your core. Your core filters out those inflammatory markers. You have non-inflamed blood re-enter all parts of your body. That's how we decrease inflammation. That's how cold really works. It's not just my skin got cold, so now my inflammation's gone. Like that's it's a little more complicated than that, but but cold therapy does work for decreasing inflammatory markers floating around in your body. I think it's probably the most accurate way to say that. I still have not done cry cry I can't even take cryotherapy I've not braved that yet but uh you're doing it next week when you're back I said so <laughs> I think it is one of like it's I think it's fascinating though I feel like and that's I feel like we could talk about all like cold therapy for hours more but start to wrap mm -hmm. this up my last question to you is what is the first step someone can take to incorporate recovery into their daily lives drink some water simple as that <laughs> drink, drink some water um no everyone you know we talk about chronological age versus training age a lot in the fitness industry chronological age is based on the year you were born training age is based on whatever you're training for right so if i've never ridden a bike and i'm 40 years old and i'm i started riding a bike last month right my training age is one month old um, I think that question has to be answered first. Where are you at? And what's, I don't want anyone to be fooled that just because they're not an athlete, they, they can't or shouldn't be benefiting from some sort of recovery. Um, if you're in Denver, I think the first step would be calling and booking an appointment at Denver Sports Recovery. Um, but if you're not and, you know, and there's roadblocks in getting in, drink some water, go for some walks, get away from the TV. You know, that's it's you know, social media. We, we talk about it all the time for mental health, it's physical health too. If you're sitting in front of the TV or you're sitting on your phone, yes, we can talk about your eyes and your brain and yada yada yada. I don't even want to go down that route. The route that I tell people is if you're sitting in front of your TV, you're not moving. If you're not moving, you're becoming sticky. If, if we're going to keep going with that analogy, um, so never, never stop moving. I think that's the way to, to stay young, stay healthy, and 
just stay, you know, keep optimal health. It's just always move. Well, and I think it's like we've already said, adding in a walk 15 minutes, like instead of watching that show for 30 minutes after work, especially now, it's every, no matter where you live now, when you're done with work, it's sunny out for a couple extra hours after five o'clock, you know. It's great. It is great. Like take advantage of that. Go out for an extra 15 minutes or 30 minutes for, just to go for a walk and – you don't need a dog to go for a walk. It helps. It definitely helps. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I got a few friends looking for dog sitters. So if you're in Denver and don't have a dog, hit me up. I'll 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 be your dog matchmaker. I'll find you a dog. And get you a walking buddy. Exactly. I, humans work. Humans can also you can walk with a human. That it is. It's a great Honestly, one of my favorite ways to catch up with friends is to meet for coffee, get a cup of coffee, and go for a walk. And you're speaking my language. It's just like that's it. I mean, it's easy. It's easy, and yes, a lot of my friends have dogs, and I have dogs, so it you know, it definitely helps. But like making like just incorporating something like that as simple into your Saturday or Sunday morning or like morning routine before you head into work, especially if we're also working from home, I think, mm-hmm. you know, doing that or even sometimes listening to a conference call or a co- taking a call on a walk is not abnormal anymore. And No, no, it really isn't. Just bring, uh, bring some headphones so you can take yeah. some notes on your phone or bring a notepad and a piece of paper or just pay. I have a lot. My, my roommate just paces around the house because, like, he has to take a lot of notes and type things up. So – He'll run back to his desk to, to do that when he has to, when he's on a long call. But just standing and moving around, I think, even if it's within a five foot, you know, five square foot space, just moving is good. Never stop moving. Never stop moving. Yeah, I don't have that problem. I have the opposite problem. <laughs> yeah, you need more rest and recovery in your life. I do. I do. Once I'm done with this training cycle, I have a beach in Mexico waiting for me. So. Oh, enjoy it. I'm happy for you. Um, Well, Steve, this was an amazing conversation. Where can our listeners connect with you and Denver Sports Recovery? Um, So we're in the Lohi neighborhood in downtown Denver. Um, I'll plug our favorite brewery. We're right across from Zuni Brewery on the corner of 29th and Zuni. Um, General questions, you can email info, I-N-F-O, at denversportsrecovery.com. Um, specific questions for me, I, you know, I'm on my email all day. I'm trying to decrease that, but, uh, my email is Steve S T E V E at Denver sports recovery.com. So if you're looking to schedule an appointment, you can email the info one. If you're looking for questions from me and then, I mean, our phone number is 303-718-3435. I don't know if anyone uses phones anymore. Yeah. Their website is also super easy to book on. Oh yeah. Denver sports recovery.com. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. If you're in the Denver area, check out Denver Sports Recovery. They're there. Nala agrees. I'm headed in this week for my monthly sports massage to get all the things unsticky, as Steve reminded us. So check it out. Spend some time recovering. And if you need some stuff to listen to while you're covered, we've got three seasons of the podcast. So if you like this episode and our other episodes, we'd really appreciate a rating and review wherever you're listening. And have a happy Monday from me and Nala. Bye.